The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. I'm going to begin tonight with a question. And the question is this, who are you? Who are you as you sit here this evening? Uh, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, I remember Brother Ekno preached a message along this line at men's retreat, um, one of the men's retreat we had, and he tortured Jose for about 20 minutes asking this question to Jose, and Jose just couldn't seem to find the right answer for Brother Ekno. I don't know if any of you men who were there remember that, that particular moment. Um, but in this room tonight, we have a variety of occupations represented. We have a web designer, we have an equipment operator, we have, uh, I don't know, Tabor, what do you do? I don't know. <laughs> uh, he's a telecommunications expert. Eric is an engineer, right? Does, what, huh? Not quite? Well, whatever he does, he gets paid well to do it. I do know that. Uh, and we have different occupations represented. I have a banker in, in John, and um, we have an unemployed person in me, and we have many occupations, uh, many occupations represented. But let me ask you, does your occupation truly represent your identity? Do you want to be identified by your occupation? Now, certainly your occupation identifies what you do to earn a paycheck and to provide for your family and, and, and these necessary things. But do they really represent your identity? Our identity is in no way necessarily represented by what we do to earn a paycheck. And also, in a spiritual sense, our, our identity is not represented by what we do. It is, in fact, represented by who we are positionally in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So given that thought, given the thought that, that our identity is based upon our uh, position spiritually in Christ Jesus, who would you identify yourself as tonight? Who are you? Anyone have an idea? Sinners saved by grace? The Bible identifies us as what? As children of God. So I'm tonight, I, I am a child of God. If you ask me, who are you? I'd say, well, I'm a child of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ, our Lord. I have been proclaimed by God himself as a priest and a king. In Romans chapter, I'm sorry, Revelations chapter 1 and verse 6, we read, And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So if tonight you may be a web designer, you may be an equipment operator, you may be a telecommunications expert. Tonight you might be an electrician, you might be a plumber, you might be a teacher, you might be an auto mechanic. Tonight, you might be a counselor, or you might be an accountant. You might be an engineer, or you may be a banker. But you see, these things 
this is what you do. It is not who you are. In the 33 years of ministry, I've learned that you will never truly be what God wants you to be until you first truly comprehend who you are and what God has made you to be. You and I will never fully fulfill God's purpose in our lives unless we understand that, I, that we're not a banker, we're not a web designer, we're not an electrician, we're not a carpenter. We will never fully be what God desires us to be until we understand that we are heirs with Christ, we are children of God. And as heirs of Christ and children of God, we need to learn to conduct ourselves and live our lives and walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we have been called. We need to begin, we need to learn to live like children of the king. We need to learn to live like children of God. Now we all agree that because of man's fall in the Garden of Eden, man must earn his bread by the sweat of his brow. Scripture clearly states that a man must labor for his material needs. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10, we read, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. So naturally, it's, it's, it's understood that as, even, as, even as God's children, we must, we must work, we must labor. This is, this is part of the curse of, of the fall. And God has, has purposed that we, we obey this, this principle. However, we must not forget, even though we do labor and even though we, we do have occupations and jobs that tend to sometimes attach themselves to our identity, we must not forget the source and the purpose of our labors. And we must keep in perspective and not allow a career or a job to consume us. The source of all our material blessings, the source of all our wisdom and knowledge, the source of all our strength and abilities, the source of all these things is God our Lord and King. In Matthew chapter 6, we read from verses 31 through 33, therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Yes, we must labor, we, we must work for God has, has, has uh, proclaimed that we will, we will eat, we will, we will earn our, our living by the sweat of our brows. And it's, it's a noble thing for men to work. And, and it's, a, it's a good thing to, to work and labor. You can sit at your table in the evening and you can, with, with sincerity, thank God for giving you the strength and the ability, the wisdom and the power, the talent 
and the opportunity to, to earn the things that he, he has set before you. But we must remember the source of all these things. It is God and God alone. We must remember that God does not purpose for you and I to spend our lives in pursuit of a career. Listen, God's purpose for you is not to, is not to pursue a career. And you know what? I, I fear far too many Christian people today have become wrapped up in careers. And careers are good things. Because they provide, the, they provide the means for you to care for your family. And they provide the means for you to give to the church. That the work of the Lord and the work of the church may go forward. But God never designed you to become a career man. It is not his purpose for us to spend our lives in pursuit of material things. Listen, I, I like a good meal. You can all look at me and tell that. I haven't missed many in my life, by the way. I like comfortable things. I have, a, I have a recliner in my room at home. I like to go sit in my recliner that vibrates. My grandson likes to, to ride in that vibrating chair. You know, I, I like to watch television programs, and I like to see them on nice, clear HD TV and all of those things. I don't have that. I don't see it on HD TV, but, but it, I'm sure I'd like it if I had it. But you understand who you are. Do you understand that you are a child of God? That your purpose in life is not to further your careers. Your purpose in life is not to amass material possessions and material wealth. We are children of the king. We are to spend our lives focusing on who we are and not what we do. God's purpose for us is that we would spend our lives glorifying him. That we would spend our lives preaching the gospel to a dying world. That we would spend our lives worshiping him. That, those are God's purposes for us. And as his children, that is what we are to pursue. That should be the focus of our lives. Now, understanding the difference between what you do and who you are will enable you to live in such a manner as to fulfill God's intent and purpose for your life. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, he states, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, I remember one year I took our teenagers to a youth conference where the theme was, be a weirdo for Christ. And they based that theme on this passage of uh, that we're a peculiar people, so we're to, be, we're to be oddballs. But that's not what this means. It's not what this means at all. In this passage, we understand that as God's children, we are unique. And we are to conduct ourselves as 
his people because we are his treasure. The peculiar people here is referring to the peculiar way in which God treats his people. Not that we are peculiar people, but that we are, as I said, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy people. And this we understand why it is so wrong. Now listen to me very carefully here. Because the fact that we are a peculiar people is, is, is the reason why it is so wrong for God's elect saints to walk in agreement with this lost and dying world. Stop for a moment and think about the peculiarities in which God deals with you. How special we are. How privileged we are. Dare we, knowing this, join ourselves with this wicked generation. I'd like for you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, I don't have glasses on. I can't see that clock, so I have no idea what time it is. So if it gets too late, somebody stand up and say something. But, of course, we need to define too late because, for me, it could be a very long time. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's begin at verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers... For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? What business do we, the righteous of God, have, have having any kind of fellowship or any, any kind of relationship with, with the darkness? Verse 15, and what concord or agreement... Hath Christ with Belial? In what areas do, does Christ and the devil agree? I dare you to name one. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore... Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now, we're not to think ourselves any better than anyone else. We're not to walk around with pride or arrogance. But let me ask you a question. If you are a child of God, if you are a peculiar people, then what business do you have Adjoining yourself to the works of darkness. What right do you have to fellowship with this world? We are to be notably different from the world. Now this implies that we are to be strikingly different. To be peculiar in the sense of scripture is to be strikingly different. And remarkably different. In other words, the difference between we, the children of God, and this world is to be, the scripture states, remarkable. It's to be strikingly different. In other words, there can be absolutely no doubt 
that you are one of God's children. When people look at you, when they speak to you, when they, when they begin to, maybe in the workplace or something, when they begin to interact with you, they're going to say, you know what, there's just something different about that person. Unfortunately, today, God's children want to blend in. And especially you teenagers, you listen to me carefully tonight. Children of God want to blend in. They do not want to be strikingly different. They want to look like, sound like, and live like the world. Behavior such as this constitutes an association or a friendship with the world. It would imply that, that you are in accord with the world concerning their philosophies and their principles. And we know what God's word says about that. In James chapter 4 and verse 4, James wrote, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Let me ask you, are you an enemy of God tonight? You see, we were, we were created with a new nature. I'll talk about this some Sunday morning, but in, in our Sunday morning sermon, but the term uh, that we are a new creature literally means that we are a new creation. God has recreated us into the image and nature of Christ. You know, Christian people love to say, oh, well, that's just life. You know, making a mistake, that's a natural thing. No, it isn't. Can I tell you tonight that for you, a child of God, to sin is not natural? Did you know that? That's not who you are anymore. You are not a lost sinner. You're a saved sinner. But... You're no longer, it's not natural anymore for you to live in sin. It's not, it's not normal. Did you hear me? It's not normal for a believer to sin. That's not normal. That's not natural. It's fleshly. And it shows, it, it demonstrates our lack of understanding as to who we are. Now, there is no way to misconstrue James' statement. When we live our life in harmony with the world, not strikingly different, but conforming to the world and its philosophies, when we do this, we stand as enemies of God. Now, let me, let me stop here just for a second. Let me state this. I'm not trying to stand up here tonight and tell you that I'm perfect, that I never sin. But I'm appointed tonight unto you as a preacher, am I not? And do you know that by nature, preaching is confrontational? I'm not standing here and saying, I never do wrong, and I'm perfect at all of this. No, I'm preaching to myself tonight. And, but I'm preaching to you also. Preaching is designed, preaching is supposed to convict us. What profit would there be in preaching if all we ever did is come here and everybody left feeling good? That wouldn't do us any good. It wouldn't profit us spiritually in any way. 
So if I step on your toes tonight by saying something, number one, don't cast judgments back at me and say, oh, what do you think? You're perfect? No, I'm not perfect. I'll tell you that right now. And if you don't believe me, you can ask my wife. She's back there. She'll tell you for sure. But when we hear preaching that tears into our hearts, we need to understand that's the Holy Spirit and we need to pay heed and listen. As I stated earlier, in order for us to live our life the way that God wants us to live our lives, we must first understand who we are. And when we sin, that's not natural for us because we are children of God. We are recreated in the nature and image of Christ. And it is not normal, it is not natural, it is not okay for us to walk in unrighteousness. This understanding will cause us to conduct ourselves in a manner that will be evident, not only to yourself, but to all those around you as well, that you are a child of God. So for the remainder of this evening and next Wednesday evening, I'd like for us to consider the marks of a believer. Now first, tonight, for the remaining time that I have, I want us to consider the inward evidence. The inward evidence of our Christianity. Without a doubt, I've learned that the reason so many believers fail to understand and accept the necessity of living a separated life is because they fail to understand the differences that we have already discussed this evening. They fail to understand that what we do does not associate with who we are. In order for you and me to live our lives in the power and grace of God, we must comprehend a few simple truths. Now, these are not on your study sheets, but I, do, I did put them on the projection. First truth we need to understand tonight is that there is no righteousness in me and no righteousness in you. You say, oh, wait a minute now, you said God recreated you in the nature and image of Christ. Yeah, but that's, he's not talking about my flesh there. There's no righteousness in me, in my flesh, in this body, there's no righteousness. Paul stated in Romans seven eighteen, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Paul said, there's no good dwelling in my flesh. In this, in this body that, that I was born into, there is no good. And I must understand that. You see, there are, there are too many people in this world, as we sit here tonight, who are trying desperately to better the flesh. They're trying as hard as they can in their ignorance to clean themselves up. Sometimes they do this by changing their outward appearance. And sometimes they do this by, by trying to, to change their habits. But let me tell you, there, there, 
They're sailing on a ship with no rudder. They're heading on a journey with no end. Because there's nothing good in this flesh, in this body. There's nothing, there's nothing that God wants me to, to do with this flesh and body. God wants me to go beyond this flesh and into the spirit that he has given me, which is created after the, the image and likeness of Christ. God wants me to live in the new man. God wants me to dwell in, that, in this new creation. So there's no, there's no righteousness in me. I need to understand that. There's nothing. This body will continue to fail. This body will continue to sin. And I, and, and I, can, I don't want to say there isn't anything I can do about it. But there's no profit in me trying to change this body. Secondly, we need to understand that it's by God's grace that we can do anything for him. Lest we begin to become puffed up in, in pride. Remember what Paul stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10. But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. If we grasp and understand who we are, then we will be able to dwell in that nature that God has, has placed inside of us. We'll still fail, but we'll fail far less often than we do when we try to control the flesh. We, we can't control the flesh. We need to yield to the spirit. And allow the spirit to guide us. Now we have inward evidences. There are things that, that God has. In that new creation. There are things that God instilled in us. That will cause you and I to have an assurance of our position in Christ. And, and have an assurance of our salvation. And these inward evidences will cause us to have the knowledge and assurance of our salvation. And it is these evidences that give us the confidence we need to live that strikingly different, remarkably different life that God requires of us. So what are these inward evidences? Well, first, number one, we have the witness of the new creature. The witness of the new creature. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, we read, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, before we're saved... Perhaps maybe some of you can, can relate to this. Before I was saved, I, ha- I sensed within me that there was something terribly wrong. I sensed inside of me that, you know, things just, things just aren't right. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't raised to behave this way. I wasn't raised to do these things. There's something wrong. There's something lacking. And, and I remember as a young man turning to the scriptures and reading the Bible, but of course, being a natural man, the things of the word of God made no sense to me. They did serve, however, to, to, 
to show me how desperate my condition was. And I, I didn't have within me the new creature, the new creation. So I had no answers. And after a, after a brief time of concern, the spirit of the Antichrist, the darkness of the world, the lust of my flesh, all drew me away from that concern until I found myself right back in the old things and, and doing all the same old things that I was doing before. And, and, and lost my concern for my soul. But then when I got saved, when God enlightened me and when, when the Holy Spirit regenerated my, my dead soul and when, when God saved me and, and, and put his grace upon me, when that happened, the old habits, the old philosophies, they just, they just didn't seem to feel right anymore. I found no comfort in them. I found, I found no joy in them. I found no desire for them. Now, just changing habits does not make one a believer because before I got saved, I tried changing my habits. But that didn't help me any. I, was, I didn't make me a believer. But if you are truly saved tonight, you understand what I'm talking about right now. If you are truly a child of God, you, you have within you that, the witness of that new nature. We used to sing a song with the little bus kid, the things I used to do, I don't do anymore. Any of you bus workers remember that? The things I used to do, I don't do anymore. Unfortunately, I don't remember the rest of the song. But we'd go, the things I used to do, the things I used to say, the things I used to want. And we'd sing that song, and that's because it's true. See, we have within us the witness of the new nature, and the, and the witness of that new nature will not allow us to continue doing the things we used to do. It just won't allow us to do that with any peace. Thank God for that new nature, because when you find yourself involved in something you shouldn't, that new nature is going to kick you in the side. And that new nature is going to say, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? This is not you anymore. You're a child of the king. You're a child of God. And that, that, that new nature will not allow us to continue in that old life. A transformation takes place. And this transformation is the result of the renewing of our mind in Romans 12 too. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are convicted. We are convicted to follow a new course of life. A new way of serving God through Christ by the Holy Spirit. We are turned to the principles of grace. Forsaking the pursuit of righteousness through the flesh. We understand that there is no works that we can do that, that are, are pleasing unto the Lord. Therefore, we stop trying to gain acceptance through works and we start gaining acceptance through, through living the life that God has given us to live. Old companions are forsaken and new ones are sought after. You know, after I got saved, I just, I just, I just wasn't comfortable anymore around my old friends. I just... I, it isn't that I, did, that I hate them or I dislike them. I just wasn't comfortable 
Because they were still focusing on the things we used to focus on, and and I wasn't interested in those things anymore. The pursuit of riches, honor, and wealth give way to love, joy, and peace. I wasn't driven to... Listen, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, but for these 33 years since God saved me, I, I haven't been driven by money. I haven't been driven to make all the money I can make. In fact, over the years, my wife and I have taken, taken jobs that we barely get by. But, you see, I wasn't driven by those things. I was driven by my love for Christ. I was driven by the need to serve him. I was driven by the need to tell others about Jesus. The Sunday morning after I got saved, I made God a promise. I promised him two things. I promised him, number one, I would never again be deceived by man, that I would study the word of God and I would know the truth myself. And I promised him that, number two, with his help, I would spend the rest of my life letting men know of Jesus. I became driven, and it's not that I'm somebody special. It's just the witness of the new creature would not allow me to be comfortable anymore doing the things I used to do. We have become a new creation, created in in the image and nature of Christ. Dare I, dare I involve myself in things of this world when I have been given such a great blessing. But number two, the, the, the second inward witness that we have is the witness of the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, Paul states, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Did you see that? We're joint heirs with Christ. Why, why are we sitting at the world's table begging for scraps when all the riches and honor and, and glory of heaven is ours? As natural men, lost and without hope, we could not comprehend the truth of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul states, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Listen, we haven't been been given some common, ordinary wisdom. The wisdom we have of God's word uh, doesn't come from because we sit in a classroom somewhere. We have the author of the Bible within us. We have the Spirit of God who teaches us all things. Yet, so many Christians are still in kindergarten because they fail to to follow the witness of the Holy Spirit. They fail to yield their lives to, to his wisdom and his guidance. 
we have the witness of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that guides us into truth. It is the Holy Spirit that teaches us the word of God. It is the Holy Spirit that convinces us of sin. It is the Holy Spirit that gives us a witness. It is the Holy Spirit that causes us to remember. It is the Holy Spirit that comforts us. It is the Holy Spirit that enables us to teach and to preach and so much more. We have the witness of the Holy Spirit within us. And then thirdly, tonight, we have the witness of the Word of God. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 12 and 13, we read, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you. What things is John talking about? These things. Has God written unto us that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God? The Word of God is our greatest spiritual weapon. It's also our greatest spiritual protection. The Bible describes itself as a sword in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It is our only hope in the spiritual warfare that we face every day. The Word of God was the weapon that Jesus used when he was tempted by Satan. It's, it's a sword. The Bible, secondly, describes itself as a lamp. Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The, the word of God is a, the only light we have in this dark world. Do you ever go through a room in, in pitch black? Can't see a thing? It's, it's frightening, isn't it? It's actually, it's actually it doesn't feel good. It, you know, it, it's uncomfortable. But boy, get that light turned on, and what happens? You feel so good. Ah, oh, now I can find my way. And we have the witness of the light, of the, of the lamp of God. The Bible de- describes itself, thirdly, as a shield. In Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5, we read, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him there's safety in the word of god if we go to god's word and we heed the, the the commandments of god if we if we follow the truth of god's word there is safety for us it is a shield fourthly the bible describes itself as being perfect and pure in psalm 1 in psalm 19 verse verses 7 through 11 we read the law of the lord is perfect converting the soul the testimony of the lord is sure making wise the simple the statutes of the lord are right rejoicing the heart the commandment of the lord is pure enlightening the eyes the fear of the lord is clean enduring forever the judgments of the lord are true and righteous altogether more to be desired are they than gold yea than much fine gold sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. The word of God is perfect. It's, it, it'll never lead you into error. It'll never lead you into a mistake. And the word of God is pure. It's pure in that it, it glorifies God in all of his greatness. And then, fifthly, 
the word of God is described as powerful. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, we read, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even, even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, in this case, the word of God is described as sharper than a two-edged sword. However, in this case, this sword is not for attack. This sword is for introspection. In other words, the word of God reaches deep into our souls and reveals our sinful self. See, the word of God will convict you. And if the word of God doesn't convict you, you need to be very concerned. It will, it will reveal our sinful self to us and will convict us and, and will drive us to repentance. Therefore, as God's children, we dare not forsake his word. We are to study it. We are to meditate upon it. We are to obey it. Now, certainly I don't have time tonight to to go into every inward evidence that God has given us. But these are just a few of these inward evidences for the believer. But let me ask you, are you listening to these witnesses tonight? Are you listening, listening to the witness of the new creature, the new creation? Are you, are you listening to the witness tonight of the Holy Spirit? Do you hear tonight the witness of the word of God? Who are you tonight? Who are you? Anybody? Child of God. You're a king. You're a priest. You're an heir to all that God possesses. You're, you're joint heirs with Christ. You are a new creation. All these things. You see, it's not... Don't allow yourself to become identified by what you do. Someone comes up to you and says, Hey, Brian, what, who are you? Oh, I'm a, I'm a web designer. Oh, and by the way, I, I go to church. Oh, someone says, Brian, who are you? I'm a child of God. My life is his. Don't, don't allow yourself to become identified by what you do. Live your life in such a way that you are identified by who you are. So when people are walking through, wherever they walk through, Walmart, or uh, that's where all the rednecks go, I I go to Walmart. I don't, I don't go to Target. I'm not, a, I'm not preppy. I go to Walmart where you walk in. They say, how y'all are? So as you're walking through, people say, hey, you see that guy over there? That's the guy that goes to that church. He goes out on Saturdays and passes out tracts. And he, he, man, he's crazy. He loves, he loves going to church. Be known by who you are not by what you do you're, you're, you're not a sinner 
You're you're still a sinner, but you're not lost anymore. That's not you anymore. You're a child of God. Let it be known. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight humbly, and we're so thankful, Lord, for all that you've done for us. We're so proud tonight, Lord, to stand and be known as your child. We're so privileged. Father, I pray that, that we would listen to these inward evidences, these witnesses that you've given us, that we would, we would open an attentive ear. And, Father, I pray that our focus would be on glorifying you, on honoring you, on serving you, and not on a career, not on, not on advancing in, in our job or, 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 or making lots of money. Help us to have the right focus tonight. Help us to live based upon who we are and not what we do. Bless this time we've had together. I pray the preaching of your word would have been profitable to those that hear. And we'll praise you and thank you for this. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church. 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.